0: Now the moment that you've all been waiting for, we're going to dismiss a couple of groups of uh, kids, and uh, we're going to have dismiss two groups. Um, the nursery is now available, the nursery is open, three years old, or excuse me, infant through three years old, infant through three years old, I think Mary's going to be back there, maybe Ellie's going to be back there, and then another group that we're going to dismiss, so you can go ahead, you have infant through um, uh Infant through three-year-old. If you want to go that way, you can go that way and just come drop the kids there. And then the other group will be uh, four years old through fourth grade. Four years old through fourth grade. Connie's back there, and Kathy's back there, and Sarah's back there, and you guys are going to do a lesson down in the gym. And um, I wish I was going with you guys, so because uh, I could dunk on all of you. Right? That's what I'm gonna so uh, we'll let those guys head out there. There's a lesson for them. There. So now, uh, Mom and Dad, now what you get to do is just kind of snuggle right up to your spouse and then push them away because it's really hot in here, right? I forgot Yay. Good job. A little roomier in here, right? So, hey, uh, this morning, welcome. Glad that you are here. Uh, this morning, uh, the sermon is uh, a lot longer than normal, so you're going to have to listen in a hurry, okay? And uh, what I'd like to talk with you about today is the before, the during, and the after. The before, the during, and the after. Before, during, and after what? The before, the during, and the after of creation. That's where we're going to get started. Uh, The before, the during, and the after... is that me? Is that my microphone making that noise? So okay, okay. I was just I was wondering if I was rubbing something the wrong way or something. Okay, very good. Sorry about that. Um uh, the before the during and the after. Before during and after of creation, okay? Uh there was a before, there was a before that anything existed. And we would read about that in the book of Genesis, uh, chapter one, uh, verse one. Uh Genesis chapter one, verse one, it simply tells us this that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So uh, in the beginning, God and then, creation. So, uh, according to the Bible, before there was anything else, there was God. God was there in the beginning, okay? Uh, the beginning, the during, the during, okay? And uh, so, the during is any time that there has been people on planet Earth. That's uh, that's us, that's now welcome to the during, okay? And, uh, and so, what does God, what does the Bible say that God's relationship is to mankind during the during? Well, um, here's where we would go to find that out. Uh, you would think, well, we could go to uh, the very first book of the Bible, and uh, but we're not going to go there. Where we are going to go, listen, you got to pay attention here, uh, we're going to go to the first book that was ever written. The first book of the Bible that was ever written. Okay, what book is that? Well, uh, that's a little trickier, okay? And so I'm going to put this little graph up here. Um, uh, here's the books of the Bible. Maybe maybe you've seen something like this before in Sunday school. It starts out over here. It says uh, the books of the law. And, and so the Bible, first book in the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Those first five books. Um, you can write this down. Um, it, it's called the Pentateuch. Pentateuch. You can just kind of flash that around at work tomorrow. And um, and uh, maybe maybe it'd be called the Torah by the Jews. Okay. And uh, and the guy that penned. Listen, listen. The guy that penned the first five books of the Bible, his name is Moses. Maybe maybe you remember Moses, uh, Moses in the Ten Commandments, Moses the guy that led uh, the nation of Israel out of Egypt and through the Red Sea, that guy is the guy that penned the first five books of the Bible. Now he was not the author, God was the author. God told Moses, okay, sit down here, I want you to know how creation came about and all those things. And so Moses wrote those things, he penned them. Uh, but that's not the... Uh, listen, uh, Genesis the first book in, in the Bible, but then uh, here over, over says poetry. This is the book of Job. Uh, did you know that there is a such thing as a chronological Bible? A chronological Bible. And if you were to pick up a chronological Bible, the way a chronological Bible reads is it takes all of the stories in the Bible and it puts them in order chronologically duh right okay and so if you were to go if you go and you pick up a chronological bible guess do you know what the first book that you're going to read in the chronological bible is i gave you a hint Job. Job. Job is the first book. And so, um, so the book of Job is kind of the first recorded. Now, scholars believe that uh, Moses is actually the guy that wrote and, you know, penned uh, Job also. But the events of Job take place before Moses. So maybe you remember uh, the flood story. There's Noah and the ark, right? And then maybe you remember Father Abraham and then later comes uh, Moses. But uh, Job, uh, scholars believe, lived in between Noah And Abraham. So right now you're thinking, so what? Here's here's why. Okay. Um, Job, the first book, tells the story of sort of the first sort of interactions between God... And man. So, uh, just to review, we're talking about the before, the during, and the after. And the before, in the beginning, God created. Now we're all here. And so what is the, sort of the first recorded story of uh, the, re, the way that God is going to deal with man and, and his role and things like that? And the book of Job is this. Uh, there's a guy named Job. And, uh, and, and the story starts out where God and Satan are literally kind of looking down and kind of having this discussion about things that are going on on earth, Right? And, uh, and they're kind of having this argument about, is there really anybody righteous down there? And, you know, and Job's name comes up. Job's a righteous guy. Well, then it's kind of interesting because Job's life is a, it's a rough one, man. You know, and you've heard poor Job and things like that. That's true. Uh, his family dies. He gets very, very sick. And then his so-called friends, four of his friends, uh, come and start interacting with him and talking with him. And, uh, and they start to, they start to push on Job and Job's kind of pushing back. And they're asking, and all of these kind of questions come to the uh, surface, uh, there in the book of Job. And they're asking questions like, is God just? Is God really in control of the universe? Is God good? Did he just kind of start things and back off and he's absent? Uh, shouldn't we all just curse God and, and die, you know? And, and, or is God, is he the real deal? Is he really there? And these questions begin to go up. And then in the, at the very end of this thing, uh, and then Job, all of a sudden God shows up and God literally Answers Job. You got all these questions about me. You're wondering if I'm just. You're wondering if I'm in charge. And then God communicates directly to Job in the book of Job, chapter uh, 38. He he says this to Job Who is this that questions me? Or who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you. And you must answer. Answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions? What supports its foundation? Uh, ultimately, what God is communicating to Job is, Don't you know that I am God? That's that's the during. That's the during. Before Before anything existed, in the beginning, God created it. He was there. And during the during... God makes it very, very clear. I'm God. I'm God. Nobody else. Me. I'm God. And then in the last book of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, uh, God addresses the after fact. In fact, God defines Himself in the book of Revelation. And uh, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, God defining Himself says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. That means I am the beginning and I am uh, the end. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come the Almighty. God is very clearly communicating before, during, and after anything you know about anything, I am God. You can use all of that when you go to work tomorrow. <laughs> so, um, Hey, listen. Uh, this morning what I'd like to talk to you about is this. The before, the during... And the after of Easter. And the way that kind of breaks down is the before is kind of Palm Sunday. And then, and then Jesus is arrested and he dies on a cross. That's kind of the during. And then, and then the after is when he raises again. The before, the during. But I've already said a lot of things. And so I'm going to just ask that, um, would you please bow your heads and pray with me? Uh, Father, you are God. And uh, we're gathered here today and we just ask that, ultimately, there's been a lot going on already. And genuinely, Father, I ask that you would help us to forget everything that takes place this morning except for those things that you want us to put in our heart and to know. I ask this in Jesus' name and amen. Before, during, and after of Easter... The Before of Easter, the before of Easter. It's kind of Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry. Uh, some of you guys were here last week, and we covered uh, Palm Sunday fairly uh, thoroughly. If you would like to see uh, that sermon from last week, and go to our YouTube channel you and go to our website and go online, and kind of look that up, and, and you can kind of watch that. But I'll, I'll kind of give you a fly over here. This is kind of the way this works, is that um, on Palm Sunday, uh, Jesus was going to head into the city of Jerusalem. And um, uh, Jesus had been kind of on the down low. He, he had just done some incredible miracles, and this was kind of in the third year of His ministry. And literally thousands and thousands and thousands of people would gather whenever Jesus would come around to teach people because they knew He could heal. People, he could make the lame walk and the blind see, and literally he could raise people from the dead. and, and G, they were they were listening to Jesus and they were learning from Jesus. And people were impressed. And so when Jesus on Palm Sunday gets on this little colt of a donkey, the baby donkey, and he and he's riding into Jerusalem. Uh, People from all over the Roman world were uh, descending upon uh, Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, and Jesus begins to make His way into Jerusalem, and the crowd is enormous. And people are crushing into the streets. And while He is uh, making His way down, people begin to take off their coats and and lay them down on the ground. It was symbolic of, I have things in my life I need to lay down before the Lord. And there were people that cut palm branches, and they were waving them. And that was from the Old Testament. Whenever there was a new king that was going to be put on the throne, uh, they would uh, wave palm branches. They were just simply acknowledging, Jesus is my King. And as He was making His way down in there, thousands and thousands and thousands of people were just screaming, Hosanna! Hosanna to the highest! They were declaring, This is my King! This is my Lord! Jesus is God! And they were celebrating and rejoicing in a frenzied pitch. They were excited to see Jesus come into Jerusalem. That was the before. And I think the before is kind of a word picture of exactly the way that some of you feel today. In fact, this is exactly why you are here this morning. Because God has grabbed your heart and you want to be with and near and around fellow believers who have placed their hopes and their faith in Jesus Christ. You are witnesses to His healings. You have been transformed by His grace. And you are excited to tell anybody that will listen about Jesus because you know that He is your King and your Lord. And today, all around the world, millions and millions and millions of people gather together because they believe on Easter that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And people gather and they worship Him today. the before. Then there is the during, the during, the during of Easter. And the during is the time from the time that Jesus was arrested, he was arrested, on trial, and then, and then he dies on the cross. And the during is that time between the arrest of Jesus and the death of Jesus. And many of you are familiar with the, with this kind of this last week. They call it Holy Week. And, and many of you know that uh, last Sunday was Palm Sunday and uh, by the time uh, Monday, uh, Thursday rolls around that uh, Jesus has called uh, his disciples into the upper room and, and they have the Last Supper. And then after they have the Last Supper, they make their way out into the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus is praying with His disciples. And while they're there in the garden uh, praying with the disciples, uh, Judas shows up and betrays Jesus uh, with a kiss. And then maybe you remember that Jesus is then arrested, and He is hauled off, and that there is a trial, and He is falsely accused, and He is sentenced to die on a cross. And people begin to boldly go after anybody that might even be loosely affiliated or associated with Jesus. And it starts with Peter. Maybe you remember that Peter was one of the guys that went up to uh, to Jesus and said, Jesus, I will never turn my back on you. I will never uh, betray you. And maybe you remember that uh, Jesus looks at Peter and He says, "Uh, you need to understand something, Peter. Uh, Before the sun comes up uh, tomorrow, before the rooster crows tomorrow, you're going to deny me three times. Oh no, I'll never do that, Jesus. And sure enough, uh, Jesus is arrested. He is sentenced to die on a cross. And the guards scoop him up and they begin to beat on a Jesus. And Peter is watching what is going on. And a little girl goes up to him and says, Hey, aren't you associated with that Jesus? And he says, No way. And he runs and hides, scared to make a stand for Jesus. But then the guards get into it. And the guards know that now it's open season on Jesus because He is guilty. He's going to die on a cross. And so they tie Him up. And the crowds are just chanting, crucify Him. And they tie Him up and they bend Him over a post and they take a whip and they begin to whip Him and they literally peel the skin right off of His back and because He has declared Himself to be the King of the Jews, they get a purple uh, garment and they put it on His back and they take a crown of thorns and they press it into His skull and then they take turns and they go up and they punch Jesus in the face and they say prophesy who was it Jesus you declare yourself to be um, the the son of God the the Messiah of the world the Messiah would know who punched you they would take sticks and they would beat him right in the back and the Bible tells us that they plucked out his beard and that they spit spit on him, and they mocked him, and they made fun of him, and they took him, and they laid him bare on a cross, and they put spikes through his hands and through his feet, and they propped him up, and they dropped his body in a hole. And Jesus is hanging on a cross, and while Jesus is hanging on the cross, Matthew reveals to us what people were saying about Jesus. Matthew chapter 27. The chief priests and the teachers of the law... And the elders mocked him. Here's Jesus hanging, hanging on the cross. He saved others, they said. But he can't save himself. He's the King of Israel. Let him come down from the cross. Then we'll believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now. If he wants him, he said, I am the Son of God. In the same way, the robbers who were crucified with Him, also heaped insults on Him. It was open season on Jesus. There is a boldness, an arrogance, putting Jesus down and seeing Him as totally irrelevant. Jesus, who had declared Himself to be the Son of God, is now hanging, slumped, Bleeding out his lifeblood, running out of him. For our conversation's sake, we're going to just sort of leave Jesus hanging there on the cross. People are gathered around him, making fun of him, and they're mocking him. And unfortunately, I think this is a kind of flyover of a lot of people in our culture today. There are people today that want to mock Jesus, want to make fun of Jesus and his teaching. Some don't want a king. Some people just want to rule themselves. They want to be free of any restraints. They don't want any restraints on themselves in any way. They want to be able to think whatever they want to think and do whatever they want to do. They don't want any restraints on their sexual appetites. They Maybe they think that God is homophobic or he's a bigot or maybe they think that all God wants is your money and, and maybe there's somebody uh, that uh, you know you need to forgive but uh, you don't want to forgive them and so you feel like God is just simply the conscience police and so you kind of push back. People in our culture kind of push back on uh, God. There seems to be anger toward God. How or why would anyone come to that conclusion about God? The Jews seem to be really angry at Jesus. People today seem to really want to push back on God, how or why would anyone come to that conclusion about God? I think the answer to that question is in this question. What is the cause of anger? What is the cause of anger? Almost all anger comes from fear or frustration. Anger comes from fear or frustration. And fear and frustration come from an unmet need. We have unmet needs. Sometimes we have Unmet financial needs. I don't, I don't know, I don't know what your house is like, but, uh, my wife and I, we used to, every once in a while, we, oh, every once in a while, we get into a little bit of an argument about finances, right? Uh, but nowadays, we got so much money it's falling out of our pockets. They haven't built, they haven't built a vault big enough to put it all in. My mattress is always lumpy because my wife just keeps shoving more cash under the thing, right? And, and you know how that works, right? But isn't it true? Isn't it true? Um, you ever you ever get in an argument with your spouse about money, and you know it doesn't have anything to do with frustration or unmet need. Um, you know why, why are you buying another pair of shoes? Oops. You know why do you want another gun? You know well you know these are needs, honey, right? And 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 there's fear and there's frustration and unmet needs, and all of a sudden those things can kind of percolate into anger, anger, anger. The reality is is that we can have unmet Relational needs as well, right? You can have anger and frustration and unmet needs with your spouse. You can have anger and go round and round with your children. have anger and go round and round with coworkers, and maybe you have coworkers that have let you down or stabbed you in the back. And ultimately what that is is the unmet need of love. Everybody likes to think, you know, I'm going to aim high with love, and I'm going to be loving, I'm going to be kind, and and we think that you know, people are going to reciprocate, they're going to come back at that level of love, but sometimes they don't, and it's frustrating. It can make us angry. Unmet relational needs. We can have unmet physical needs. Our bodies age, and we can no longer do what we once could do. It's frustrating it can be aggravating emotionally we can have unmet needs we all desire to be loved and affirmed but the truth is the reality is is that sometimes we are all just flat out ignored and so the crowd the angry crowd is looking up at a pathetic Jesus. The crowd saw Jesus on the cross as a weakness. They wanted a king. They wanted someone to fix them. Fix their hurts and pains. But what they saw was a huge letdown, a disappointment. Their fears came true. Jesus was just a man and maybe a fake. And what did Jesus say? In response to their taunting, to an angry crowd doubting and mocking. You know Jesus talked to that crowd, right? What did Jesus say when they were all there and they were pointing and laughing and they were making fun of Him? What did Jesus say as He's hanging and dying on the cross to them? Luke tells us. Luke chapter 23 Verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. He just looks down at them and says they don't even know what they're doing. It's as if Jesus was communicating to them, who is this that questions Me with their ignorant words? Don't they know that I am God? There was the before. There was the during. And then Jesus dies on the cross and it immediately transitions into the after. The after. Because immediately after, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 27, at that moment when Jesus died on the cross, the earth shook and the rocks split and the tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of their tombs when the centurion, one of the guards that was in charge of mocking and beating and making fun and guarding Jesus while He was on the cross, when one of the centurions and those who were with Him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely He was the Son of God. They went from mockers of the Son of God to proclaimers of the Son of God in an instant. Many of us know that finally they took Jesus' body down off of that cross, and they wrapped His body and prepared His body, and they put it into a tomb, and three days later, Jesus walked out of that tomb. In the book of Acts, we learn that Jesus hung around on earth for 50 days from the time that He died, uh, from the time that He came out of the grave to the time that He ascended up into heaven, and that while He was walking around on earth for those 50 days, the book of Corinthians tells us, Us that more than 500 people were eyewitnesses of Jesus after the resurrection. These were people that had seen Jesus and they had encountered Jesus and they knew and were familiar and they had watched Jesus do miracles and heal people and they saw Jesus be put into a grave and they watched him die on a cross and they knew that he was dead and then they encountered him after the resurrection and they went out and they told everyone they knew and on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts we see that Jesus ascends up into heaven and God turns over the keys to the church to the apostles and they begin to preach. And those 500 people go out and begin to tell people about Jesus. And as you read through the book of Acts, you see that literally thousands thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people put their hope and their trust in Jesus Christ because they knew that He was their risen King, their God. He was worthy of everything that they had hoped in Him to be. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 says, Jesus, He, Jesus, He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through Him you believe in God, who raised Him from the dead and glorified Him, and so your faith and hope are in God. That's the before, the during, the after of Easter. One last question. What does it matter to you? What difference does it make? What does it matter? I think here's how it matters. We are all a fallen people. And we all have unmet needs. And God has a plan for that. Here's a fact. We are all incomplete. We are all incomplete. Every one of us. We're incomplete in the talents that we have. Some of you are very musical, and some of you are artistic, and some of you love numbers and math, and some of you are very athletic, and you have these different skill sets, but all of us don't have all of them, and so we're all incomplete in some ways. And we all have mental abilities, but the reality is is that we're incomplete, and we all have mental disabilities, because some of you are very logical, sequential, and some of you are very emotional and your minds work uh, differently and and the reality is is that physically physically we all have uh, abilities but we also all have physical disabilities and that some of you are strong and and some of you are are weak and some of you literally have a physical uh, challenges and here's what I want you to know we are we are all a fallen people and we have unmet needs and God has a plan for that God has created his Church, this place, His church, to be a place where we learn to help and serve each other and fill in each other's gaps in life. We come together and make one strong, complete body. And this is why God wants you me to go to church. To have a regular church home. We need each other to fill in the gaps. But here's what we know. People are incomplete. And we can let each other down. And that is why God wants us to depend on Him. What does depend mean? It means trust in Him. He's God. You're not. He's God. I'm not. God wants us to depend on Him, to trust in Him. And if you're a dad and, and, and you know, I'm, fortunate to have three kids, and they're here this morning, and that's kind of fun, and, and, but, but if you're a dad, you, maybe you remember being able to do something like this. I can remember it clearly in that, you know, when my kids were little, and they, they were kind of stretched out in age, and, and so each one I kind of got to do separately and individually. There, was, there came a point in time when you, you take them to the swimming pool, right? And you kind of stand them. You stand them up on the edge, and then you take a few steps back, and and um, and you kind of say to them, "Okay, come on, jump to me, jump to me." You know, and they kind of stand there and they look at you, and, and you know they're like, "No, no, no, no," you know, and, and they kind of lean and forward a little bit and they pull back, "No, no." And so you just you're there and your dad and you kind of go, "Come on, jump to me, jump to me," you know, and and, and then finally they, they lean forward and finally they just kind of throw themselves at you and you grab them and you hold them in your arms and, and then they're all excited and they're like, "Let's do it again, let's do it again." And you're like, "Yeah." Let's do it again, right? We know what it's like when our kids trust us and depend on us. God wants us to depend on Him. When we try to go through life thinking you are good enough and you can do it all on your own, you will go through life angry. Fearful and frustrated. You were never meant to go through life apart from God. Never. Never. In the beginning, there was God. Today, God wants us to trust Him. And the resurrection of Jesus proves. That we can trust God with our after. Before, during, and after, God is God. Before, during, and after, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And as you heard the Kids Club kids say earlier, John 3.16 teaches us that for God so loves the world that He gave His one and only Son to die on the cross for our sins. We are the ones that deserve to be punished for the, the crimes and the sins that we commit against a perfect God. But God scooped all of that up and He put it on His Son in a miserable, horrible way and He died for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever puts their faith and their hope in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. With God. With God. Two things. Maybe you already know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Jesus has commanded us to share that story with everyone we can find. Because it's true. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, and you're not even sure what that means... That's a conversation that I would love to sit down and have with you anywhere, anytime. You can call me. You can call the office. You can email the office. We can schedule an appointment. Sit down and say, Steve, what's it mean to be a Christian? What's it mean to get baptized into Jesus Christ and give your life to Him? That's a conversation that I would love to have with you. We're going to bow our heads and pray and we'll sing one last song. Father God, thank you for who you are and thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, may we always live for Him. We ask it in Jesus' name and amen.